What's up and welcome to the Single Player Experience, the podcast that helps single player gamers manage their video game backlog. I'm your host Sebastian Malden and my main quest is to help you manage your ever-growing video game backlog by letting you know which single player games are worth your time and money so that you can have the best single player experience. This episode is the Single Player Experience Weekly Recap. This is where I batch together all the video games that were talked about during the week into one episode that you can get every single Friday. Now, let's start the show. I don't think I've ever played anything quite like Beacon Pines. Sure, I played choice-driven adventure games. Just recently, I played another game that featured a mixture of cute animal characters with creepy elements in the Cult of the Lamb game. However, Beacon Pines is a different breed though. This game was developed by Hiding Spot and published by Fellow Traveler. Fun fact, this game was originally a Kickstarter project. So, now that you know a little bit about the game's background, let's dive into the game itself. In an interview I did with the game's creator, Matt Meyer, he described the game as Winnie the Pooh meets Twin Peaks. It's a description that fits Beacon Pines to the T. This game is a creepy and cute adventure set in a storybook. In this game, you play as the reader of the book and Luca, a young teen who has lost both of his parents recently. He and his grandmother reside in the not-quite-what-it-seems town of Beacon Pines. Luca and his friends set out to unveil the town's deepest, darkest mystery. One of the best features of Beacon Pines is in fact its storytelling. There isn't any combat to this game, so the narrative had to carry the weight of the entire game. Thankfully, it does just that. It's a compelling story that sinks its hooks into you, and just when you think you might be able to predict what's going to happen next, the story completely goes in a different direction. I won't spoil any of the story here, just know that despite its cute appearance of the characters, this story has very dark themes. Nothing too intense though, but I describe this as a cozy horror type vibe. In Beacon Pines, this game has charms, and charms are the player's superpowers. Let me explain what charms are. In this game, charms are words that you unlock as the story progresses. The players choose which word they want to use at major points in the game. Each word literally creates a new branch on the game's visual story tree. The game encourages you to see how the story plays out with the charm that you used at critical points in the story. Often you'll go down a narrative branch and meet a tragic end to the story, but you pick up new charms in that story branch that you can use at previous critical points in the game. The ability to redo critical points in the story at a moment's notice is top notch. You simply try out a different word at that point and you see where that branch of the story takes off to. I was super impressed with that aspect because even when I chose the wrong word so to speak and met my tragic end, the game never felt like a waste of time. It just felt like I uncovered a different plot point in the story from a different perspective. This game does a masterful job at making you feel like you're unpeeling the onion, so to speak, and that you're learning a little bit about the town and the overall mystery, bit by bit. Even when you feel like you went down the wrong rabbit hole, you always feel like you got something out of that adventure. So, I want to give a special shout out to the narrator voiced by Christian Mize. This character was by far my favorite character in the whole entire game. Mize absolutely kills it in this role. She made this story come to life and I often found myself excited when her character makes an appearance in the story. Should you play Beacon Pines? The answer is a hell yeah. Beacon Pines is a dope game that knows what it wants to be. It's a mystery adventure visceral novel game that doesn't overstay its welcome. 
This game isn't going to be everyone's cup of tea. If you're looking for a fast paced action game, then this game definitely isn't going to be for you. On the flip side, if you're looking for a conspiracy mystery game with fantastic art, music, and storytelling, then this game delivers in spades. If you really love point and click adventure games or point and click novel games, then definitely check out Beacon Pines. Right off the bat, I'm going to answer the main question. Yes. I think the developers Guerrilla Games managed to pull off that tricky balancing act, but maybe, just maybe not to the degree that most people wanted. Horizon Forbidden West provides a lot of fresh features, environments, and enemies, but isn't the thunderjaw sized step forwards that many people were hoping for. All that said, this is a breathtaking open world game that has way more going for it than against it. Let's dive into it. Let's first talk about the combat. It's been 5 years since the release of Horizon Zero Dawn and one of the big questions going into Horizon Forbidden West was what new ideas would Guerrilla Games bring to the combat? I'm happy to report that Guerrilla understood the assignment. This sequel, Horizon Forbidden West, squares you up against so many new animal mechs that aim to tear you apart. And I'm not gonna lie, many will probably succeed. Each new mechanical beast presents new strengths and elemental weaknesses, and you'll probably need every tool at Aloy's disposal just to survive. Thankfully, you have many new weapons and traps to utilize. Just like in the first game, range combat here is incredible, absolutely impressive. You have many new types of bows and arrows, you have spears to throw, and all the classic weapons from the first game come back into play. As a result, there are so many different ways that you can approach fighting both the humans and the mech enemies in this game. The stealth in this game is also amazing, hunting down each individual foe or causing them to stumble into one of your well placed traps is so rewarding. It's such a good experience to slay an enemy and then cause confusion amongst your foes while you're just simply hiding in the grass going unnoticed. I also want to shout out and state that the DualSense controller takes the experience of playing this game to another level. The controller really makes you feel the tightness of pulling back your bow or winding back to throw a spear. This is a game that kind of takes advantage of some of the things that the DualSense has to offer and does it in really thoughtful ways. Now let's talk about another aspect of the combat and that's the melee combat. The melee in this game feels like a solid idea but it's extremely hard to use. This is because it is a combo based melee system with pauses in between the button inputs. Let me use a common combo for an example here. You start this combo by pressing R1 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 and then you have a slight pause before you have to enter in R2. That would be a problem here considering you're only given an assertedly small amount of time to press R2. If you do it too fast or too slow then you fail at executing the combo. The timing has to be absolutely precise and this feels like a mechanic that feels well thought out but not necessarily well executed if you know what I mean. Speaking of the melee combos in this game, this game also has melee pits where you're tasked with executing specific combos against human opponents before that time limit that they give you runs out. Due to how challenging it is to actually execute a combo, this is by far the weakest, most frustrating part of the video game as a whole. I would have skipped this entirely if it wasn't required to earn this game's platinum trophy. I'll be honest, I love up close and personal combat in video games. 
it's often one of my favorite mechanics of video games that offer melee combat. But the melee combat in Horizon Forbidden West feels so bad and so hard to use that I often forgone using the melee system entirely and just stuck to what I know, and that's the great ranged combat that is offered by this game. So in the third game, I would love to see this redone. Just build that new melee system from the ground up because what you have here doesn't feel very well executed, if I'm being honest. Now let's segue into the graphics and the presentation. I cannot stress this enough, Horizon Forbidden West is one of the most beautiful, absolutely the most gorgeous games that I've ever seen. Everything from Aloy to the machines you encounter, to the various environments that you explore is absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous. Do yourself a favor and play this on a very nice TV. You'll get lost in looking at the environments, like the snowy mountains, the detailed plains, and the beautiful coastal beaches. This game is a feast for your eyes. Matter of fact, the characters themselves are a visual treat as well. Aloy and her companions are incredibly detailed, especially when you see them decked out in their mechanical armor. I cannot stress this enough, Horizon Forbidden West is the most gorgeous and beautiful games that I've ever seen in my entire life. I've been playing games my entire life and I've never seen a game that looked this damn good. So let's segue and talk about the story of the game. As opposed to the first game, Horizon Forbidden West's weakest aspect is in fact its narrative. In Horizon Zero Dawn, Gorilla came out of the gate swinging with this story. We got to meet Aloy and the intriguing post-apocalyptic world that she lives in. In Horizon Forbidden West, at the start of the game, we are introduced to a mystery that leads into the premise of the overall game. While the mystery itself is intriguing, it sets the tone off for the story to be a slow burn as opposed to the swifter pace that was in the previous game. Another critique of the story is that it often feels like the middle installment of a trilogy. There are parts, even in the middle section of the game, where you can tell that this is building towards a third game as opposed to telling its own story. It's not the end of the world or anything to that magnitude, but it often had me expecting a cliffhanger ending that would launch us into what lies next for the franchise. I was often thinking about what was coming next as opposed to really just settling in and enjoying the story that was in front of me. All that said, the game story is a good installment to the series. While it does have its flaws and it's a bit of a slower process, it does expand on the lore and the world building while also providing some interesting new antagonists for us to square off against. Now let's talk about the game's characters. Even though the narrative can be a bit flat in some aspects, the same can't be said about the game's characters. The characters of the main story often shine, especially Ashley Birch as Aloy and Angela Bassett as Regala. In many of the side missions that you encounter, you'll also meet some interesting characters that introduce you to some memorable stories. I cannot shout out enough how many stories I came across that really resonated with me. There were a couple of stories, especially side stories in the game, that resonated with me more so than the main quest itself. I also want to shout out how diverse the characters are in this game. You encounter several different tribes with many people from all sorts of different ethnic backgrounds and me as a chocolate man it warmed my heart to see this display of diversity. Now let's talk about the game's exploration. One of the best parts of Horizon Forbidden West is exploring the new territories of the Forbidden West. There's so much to do and see in this game. You're still able to hunt machines and wildlife to upgrade your resources and your arsenal. 
This game has scores of new machines to hunt and strip for resources, so gamers who love the art of collecting will have plenty to do here. One of the best improvements to the game is its climbing mechanic. You can now use your focus to quickly scan the area and you're presented with numerous highlighted handholds that you can climb on. The results aren't quite as smooth as it could be, but it works. While it's not Breath of the Wild's climb anywhere mechanic, it's a solid step forward and it offers a far freer way to actually climb on mountains and different surfaces in the game. The game also has a new glide mechanic. You can jump off of tall surfaces and use your broken shield to basically glide down towards your next destination. It's a really cool feature and an awesome way for you to see all the environments that Horizon has to offer while you're simply floating down from the highest peak that you've managed to climb onto. Now let's talk about the underwater hits and misses. Another cool new addition to the game is the ability to dive deep underwater. This gives you new places to see and explore. And there's also a sizable amount of main missions, side missions, and treasure hunting that occurs underwater. At first, your time underwater is limited to basically how long Aloy can hold her breath, but thankfully the game grants you with a means of breathing underwater halfway through the game. This game gives you so many areas underwater to explore, and it's a visual showcase as well. The underwater areas look absolutely gorgeous. But unfortunately, the game doesn't allow you to fight underwater. Instead, you're relegated to an underwater game of hide or get killed by an underwater mech. That's sad because overall, you spend about 30% of this game underwater and you have no means of actually fighting any of the enemies that you encounter underwater. They could at least let you have some form of underwater weapon, but I digress. It's one of the few flaws of this game. Now, let's talk about the game's skill tree. In Horizon Forbidden West, you can spend your hard-earned skill points on multiple skill trees. Each skill tree has its own area of expertise like melee, traps, and the mount for example. The skill trees also have the valor surges that you can unlock. Valor surges are the special moves that you can use during battles. To use these moves, you must first fill up your valor meter by getting hit or attacking your enemy's weak spots. Some Valor Surges are better than others, but I found that overall it really didn't have a major impact on most battles I fought to begin with anyways. So should you play Horizon Forbidden West? The answer is an emphatic yes. While it does have its flaws like its narrative and its lack of underwater combat, it shines in all other areas. If you like open world games with tons to do, then this game should be at the very top of your list, especially if you have a PS5. I cannot stress this aspect enough. There are tons, and I mean tons of things to do in this game. You can go hunting the critters that roam the Forbidden West. You can hunt down the machines that you encounter to better equip your armor or better equip your gear. You can ride the mounts that you encounter and race those mounts against other racers in the game. You can also do the hunting challenges where you attack different mounts with different types of gear that you have at your disposal and different types of ammo. You can also do the melee pits where you have to basically do the melee challenges that I talked about earlier. You can do the main stories, the endless amount of side stories that you encounter. This game has its own mini game version of Gwent. There are so many things to do and I haven't even named them all. So overall, while this game does have its flaws, it's still engaging and fun. It's also a spectacle to see and square off against these giant mech beasts that you encounter. 
Horizon Forbidden West is a beautiful example of a AAA open world RPG. Everything from its visuals to its gameplay to its immensely deep and dense explorable open world feels very polished and blends in together to make a must-play title for all PlayStation gamers. I cannot stress this enough, if you have a PS5 and you love open world RPGs, do yourself a favor and play Horizon Forbidden West. I said this in my review of Horizon Forbidden West, it's really hard to do a sequel. There's a balancing act between providing more of what worked before and delivering something new in order to avoid just being more of the same. God of War Ragnarok accomplishes this balancing act in a godly fashion. There's no easy way to say it, God of War Ragnarok is simply special. Everything about the game screams high quality. The gameplay, the graphics, the narrative all come together and mixes to create an experience that feels premium. Let's dive into why this game is truly special. Just like God of War 2018, Ragnarok is rich in story. This is evident in the main campaign's narrative and the game's numerous side stories. No spoilers, but the game's main campaign spoke to me in ways few games ever have. I loved the themes that the game explores and the softer lessons that are taught throughout the journey. This game does feature the traditional way of storytelling in games where you play the game to progress to the next cutscene, or interactive cutscene in this case, but it tells its narrative in such a rich and high quality fashion that it works to the game's favor. The acting in this game is award winning movie quality, so you really don't mind watching how things play out here. The dialogue is well written and surprisingly funny. One of the few things that stood out to me is that this game has very subtle humor. I don't know if the writers intended the lines that were spoken to be as funny as they were, but it absolutely nailed it in the humor department. Just like God of War 2018, Ragnarok features tons of quieter moments in which the characters talk to one another or tell a story. Hearing characters tell stories about their past or tell stories about the history of the world is simply enthralling. It almost feels like listening to your favorite podcast while playing the game. There are many moments where I chose to just chill out and listen to the rest of the tale being told as opposed to just rushing onwards towards my next objective. Now let's talk about the characters in the game. If you played the first game then you know that a part of what makes the Norse God of War game special is the characters in the game. All the characters you know and love from the first game are back. The new characters are fantastic as well. I won't spoil anything, but know that they make quite the impression and impact in many different ways. I love the way that the game focuses on involving the side characters. It provides us with a deeper dive into the characters we know and love from the first game, as well as a lot of the newer ones that we meet in this game. It's amazing to see the growth in the characters, but that's especially true when it comes to Kratos. In the first trilogy, the Greek god didn't care very much about anything other than furthering his goals. In God of War 2018 and in Ragnarok, you can see how he's evolved. When you compare how Kratos was portrayed in the Greek saga versus who he is in the Norse adventure, it honestly feels like he has aged and matured with us as we've grown older. Let's talk about the game's presentation. God of War 2018 was a visual treat on the PS4. The look and the presentation of that game felt like the highest AAA experience possible when you played it back in the day on the PS4. I'm happy to report that God of War Ragnarok is also a visual treat. The nine realms that you explore are filled with breathtaking environments and details. All the areas you encounter from the beautiful lakes and rivers to the rainforest to the icy tundras are well designed and extremely gorgeous. 
The game also gives you many excuses to use its photo mode. Trust me, you're going to get a lot of amazing shots using that photo mode. Now, let's talk about the quotes in the game. I don't normally mention quotes in video games, but this game really had so many of them that stood out to me. I mentioned this game's incredible writing earlier. An aspect about the writing that blew me away was how many memorable lines of dialogue there were in this game. This game features some of the best quotes I've ever heard in a video game. Here's a few that stood out to me. Wish for peace. Be ready for war. It's the nature of a thing that matters. It's not the form. To grieve deeply is to have loved fully. Sometimes there's no making things right, only better than what it was. This is only a couple of examples of lines of dialogue that really stood out to me in this game. I kid you not, there are tons, and I mean tons of lines that made me think, that would be a badass tattoo. I play all my games in subtitles, and this is a game I found myself hitting the save the last 30 seconds option on the share button just to go back and hear something a character said again because the lines hit me that hard. Now let's talk about this game's combat. If you enjoyed the gameplay and the combat from God of War 2018, then you're in luck because this game takes the combat and amps it up to the next level. The combat here feels more fluid and zippier. At the same time, all the moves feel like they have an impact and weight behind it. You can use more objects in your environment to mess up your foes. For example, you have the ability to rip out trees and use them like clubs. That was so satisfying. The Blades of Chaos and the Leviathan Axe are back in this game and offer new ways to dish out death to your enemies. This sequel gives you new weapon abilities and additional elemental moves to use against your enemies. Using the shield as a weapon is also one of the bigger parts of combat this time around. The marketing leading up to the game described the combat as being able to play with your food, and they weren't lying. You can chain together multiple moves to mow through your opponents or use different combos to juggle them in the air or around the area entirely. You also have the ability to call on and to use Atreus to inflict damage on your opponents in many new ways. For example, he can call on the spirits of animals to damage and stun your opponents. I found this ability useful against the bosses especially. There are also new allies you can command, no spoilers, that add another element to the combat as well. Kratos' Spartan Rage and Runic attacks are also back, but with their own upgrades. You get more freedom to dictate what the Spartan Rage does. For example, you can use it to regenerate a sizable amount of health or turn Kratos into the Norse version of Hulk and basically smash all the enemies on the screen. One of the common complaints about God of War 2018 was the lack of variety when it came to the enemies that you encounter. Sony Santa Monica must have heard it and took it to heart because that is certainly not the issue with this game. You encounter so many enemy types in this game with different abilities and weaknesses. This game also has side bosses called Berserkers that present a fun yet challenging obstacle that players can try to overcome. I mean it when I say this, people are not giving the combat enough credit because they definitely taken the gameplay from God of War 2018 and amped it up to the next level. Now let's talk about the side quest and the exploration. There's a lot to see and to do in this game. Unlike God of War 2018, you can actually visit all 9 realms in this game, all of which offer side quests, collectibles, and pose their own challenges. For example, you can partake in Muselheim's combat trials, or you can just see how your actions from the previous game have affected Midgard. The game's side missions have deep and rich stories that feel more like just your typical errands and fetch quests. For the most part, each side quest allows us to dig deeper into the backstories of the characters that we interact with. 
There are some exceptions where you help strangers out in the world, but even those quests masterfully tie into the relationships around Kratos. It's remarkable how much weight and substance the side quests contain. Unlike some other games where the side quests often feel like unnecessary padding, the side quests in God of War Ragnarok feel like they all have meaning. It never feels like bloat. Now let's talk about the sound and score of the game. I gotta give a major shout out to the game's composer Bear McCreary for the soundtrack for this game. The sound and score is absolutely phenomenal. Everything exemplifies and amplifies what is going on in the present and pays homage to what happened in the past. McQuarrie has created fantastic music for Rings of Power, Godzilla, and Battlestar Galactica to name a few, but the music for God of War Ragnarok might be his finest work. I kid you not, the main theme is a track I can listen to in the background of any of my daily tasks. It's a track that pairs well with a workout, background work music, or even background music while cleaning the house, especially if you want to clean the house in a godlike epic fashion. This is a soundtrack that I will be listening to for years to come. Let's talk about the flaws in this game. There's an argument that the game does have pacing issues, especially in the middle section of the game. While it didn't bother me much, I can understand that perspective. Another minor critique is that despite the game's numerous new features, it does give that feeling of just more God of War 2018. While I'm an advocate of the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, the game doesn't really take major swings when it comes to innovation. These are just minor critiques that doesn't really negate how amazing this game is overall, but if I did have to find flaws in this game, these are the ones I would probably point out. So, should you play God of War Ragnarok? Yes, hell yes, see, yes in all in any languages. God of War Ragnarok is a game that exemplifies how good video games can be. The score is amazing and amplifies everything that's going on. The gameplay and the combat is outstanding, it's fun to play, and it improves on the solid foundation from God of War 2018. The narrative is extremely well written. It mixes in all the emotional beats well with its elements of wonder and adventure. On top of that, it has some of the best acting I've ever heard in a video game. Overall, this game is not only a masterpiece, it's a work of art. God of War Ragnarok is a must play for anyone and everyone that owns a PS5. Maybe except for the people who didn't like God of War 2018. If you're one of those people, this game is not going to change your mind. That said, God of War is the best game to date for the PS5. This game is not only one of the best games of this generation, it's also one of the best games of all time. So, those are the video game recommendations of the week that you should consider adding to your video game backlog list. If you want me or my community of gamers to give you feedback on your backlog list, then join us in the single player experience discord server. Once you're in, feel free to share your backlog list or talk about good single player game experiences that you've had lately. The link to join the free single player experience discord server is in the show notes. This has been the Single Player Experience Weekly Recap episode, where I break down every single game that was talked about during the week. It comes to you every single Friday, and I hope to catch you next Friday for the next week's recap episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Peace.